seemingly normal closing shift at a Bethesda, Maryland, Lululemon would turn out to be one of the most elaborate robbery scenes you may ever hear and have you and everyone else wondering, how is that even true? With one young woman dead and the other seemingly lightly scratched, police will begin to question the survivor's story. This episode contains discussion of murder and sexual assault. Welcome to An Easy, a podcast hosted by Lexi and Cecilia. This podcast is a collection of research based on haunting and mysterious events that will leave you feeling genuinely uneasy. Discretion is advised. The Lululemon store in Bethesda, Maryland is located in Bethesda Row, which is a nice shopping community lined with lights and ample sidewalk space. And Bethesda is considered one of the suburbs of Washington, D.C., but it's located still in Maryland. And it's a pretty affluent and nice area, not known for high crime or anything like that. On March 12, 2011, the manager whose name is Rachel, was arriving at about 8 a.m. to open the store for the day, and she noticed that the door was already unlocked, which was strange considering she was the one scheduled to open the store that day, but she thought maybe someone had came in early to help her out or forgot to lock up for the night. And so she just proceeded to enter into the store, and she's at this point going in through the front doors. As she entered the store, it looked as if someone had destroyed the place. The lights were on, but clothes were everywhere, and she quickly looked for her phone and called out to see if there was another employee or anyone in the store, despite the store looking like somebody had ransacked it. And at that point, she hears a strange kind of moaning sound coming from the back of the store that sounds like someone's in trouble. And that causes her to get scared, obviously, and leave immediately. I would do the same thing. Oh, 100%. Yeah. She calls 911 and she goes next door to the Apple store and finds a man named Ryan to go back inside with her to make sure that no one was hurt, which was smart on her part. I would probably, man or woman, just find a buddy, use the buddy system to go back in. Rachel waited up front as Ryan went to look in the back of the store. A few minutes later, he was calling out to Rachel to call the police again. When Ryan went to the back of the store, he found a body laying face down. And he told Rachel that there was another person who was a woman and was tied up in the bathroom. And immediately he's saying that she's barely breathing and that they may have been assaulted and Rachel called 911 again during this call she told police quote there's two people in the back of my store one person seems dead and the other person is breathing at this point Montgomery County police responded to the 911 calls and arrived to discover the store in its complete mess that it was left in and on the floor which was covered in blood they found two sets of footprints um, from somebody walking through puddles of blood and then walking around the store one of these sets of footprints was large and the other one was pretty small the scene was also covered in blood and case experts later suggest that this points to extreme rage the non-responsive body in the back belonged to a 30 year old woman named Jaina Murray. 
Jaina was the employee of the Lululemon store, and she had worked the closing shift the night before. Jaina suffered 331 wounds to her body. Oh my goodness. Like, yeah, I would say that's extreme that range. That is so hard to fathom. That many wounds. That's so much. Also, that's like so much mm-hmm. work to put on, like, to do to someone else. Like, that takes a lot of energy to stab someone 331 times. Like, I cannot imagine what the other person was like feeling to just like you have completely decimated i will say about it's later reported that about a hundred of these wounds on her body are in defensive nature so she was fighting back so that leaves about 200 wounds well you know we'll knock off 100 200 wounds then that she got from the perpetrator still oh my goodness also that's so sad that a hundred of those Mm -hmm. were self-defense like oh that poor woman police also discovered a badly shaken 28 year old Brittany norwood and she had her hands and feet zip tied in the bathroom um her hands were kind of above her head which was odd to the police when they found her and she had cuts all over her chest arms legs face and abdomen so does she have like a significant amount of wounds as well or nothing to compare to what Jaina like endured. She was rushed to the hospital and once she was stable, she was able to recount the night. And this is when she has her first interview with police. And she explains to the police that the previous night on March 11th, she and Jaina were closing the store together. And once they left, Brittany realized that she forgot her wallet inside and she contacted Jaina and asked her to come back and unlock the store so that she could retrieve it. Brittany was a newer employee, so she didn't really know Jaina as well. So she had to contact somebody else and then get Jaina's number. But she knew that Jaina was the manager, so she would have the keys and be able to get her her wallet. While they were inside to unlock the store, Brittany said two masked men barged in, attacked her and Jaina, and proceeded to tie them up and sexually assault them. When Jaina resisted, the men began beating her and eventually stabbed her to death. So that's Brittany's story. She said at that point, when she realized that Jaina was dead, she knew she had to do whatever these two masked men asked. And she was beaten and cut with a knife. But mercifully, she survived with only superficial wounds, which that's a bit of a red flag if one, I mean, unless the one victim was the one they were truly targeting, but she was able to stay alive. And if with that case, it's like now she can ID you. Now she can like help police try to figure out yeah. who you are, which that those are all things that are starting to come up in police's mind as they're investigating this case. Also, I always get super suspicious about superficial wounds because it's really hard to like. She very well could be the incident in this, um, but 
as a police officer, it seems a lot more suspicious to just have superficial wounds, especially when someone else has been stabbed over 200 times because it's harder to stab yourself. And like you, your brain doesn't want you to hurt yourself. So you're going to not go as deep or as far as close to as many vital organs as you would when attacking someone else. Yeah. So she claims that the attackers left her tied up in the bathroom and that's where she stayed until Rachel came that morning to unlock the door for her shift. And so while they're at the hospital, please go ahead and ask the hospital to perform a medical exam on her. And this is for two reasons. One, because of what she just endured, but two, because she's claiming sexual assault as well. So they just want to make sure that she's okay and get her checked out. And also that can provide DNA evidence as well. So they went on along with their investigation, which was beginning to shape up as a very suspicious case for them. I want to take a moment to dive into Brittany Norwood herself. She was one of nine children, and her father owned an upholstery business. Growing up, she had the values to work hard and, you know, get a good education instilled in her. So she grew up very skilled in athletics. Brittany was recruited to Stony Brook University in New York to play soccer. She started her collegiate career in 2000 and played until 2003 after being accused by her teammates and others that she was stealing from them. She's known to have some sticky hands. And basically girls would be like, hey, keep your stuff locked up around that girl. I think we've all known somebody like that. Those are literally the most annoying people to have in your life. Mm. Like, you don't even want to invite them to your house because you're worried that they may take something. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, so apparently she would try to play it off as like a joke that she was stealing. Like, people would be like, oh, she's just like that. She just like, no, people aren't just like that. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's not a thing. And so she lost valuable friendships over her stealing habits. Obviously. She was ultimately expelled from the school after some of the girls came forward. So she lost her her scholarship and she was expelled. I feel like that's actually pretty intense. Like, yeah. Petty theft. I don't feel like you get expelled from school. There definitely had to be something like big that you took. Yeah, or it's just like multiple, multiple occurrences. Yeah. Plus, you're it's hold- like, I feel like you're held to a different standard when you're a student athlete as well. That's true. It reminds me of like Target, how they like, everyone says that they wait yeah. until you collect a certain, like you they steal do. a certain amount and they then do. they arrest you. It's the same vibe. Yeah. She also in the past has allegedly walked out on a hair appointment without paying as well. So she claimed as soon as her install was done that her wallet had been like the cash out of her wallet had been stolen in this woman's salon so the woman felt so terrible and was like oh my gosh girl like i feel so bad please just bring the money by like another day and eventually Brittany just stopped responding to her and blocked her and never paid her for this like expensive install for her hair yeah especially in dc oh yeah don't even dust <laughs> expensive don't it reminds me of this like um people you have at restaurants where they're like i hated the food i'm not paying for it and there's literally not a drop left on the plate the service is done 
Like you ate the food. You got the service. Now you have yeah. to pay. Anyways, after this, she moved to D.C. to live with her sister and worked at Willard Intercontinental Hotel, which, fun little history fact, this hotel is known for being the residence of the presidents because every president since the 1850s has either stayed or visited it. So it's a pretty affluent hotel. It's a cool little fun That's where I'm going to stay next time I go to D.C. so I can be on the list. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> she she quickly moved up in her job here and was handling the VIP clientele. So, like I said, VIP clientele can be pretty important people. After a while, she ended up leaving as she knew that she wanted to do something with athletics. So she ended up working at Lulu, which I'm like, okay, maybe she wanted to do athletic retail and that's why she went to Lulu. But she did leave the Willard on her own accords. Leading back to the police investigation, they continued to try and track down any leads. However, there were no eyewitness reports, no security camera footage that they found to be helpful, and no signs of break-ins because the doors were left unlocked. But there was a report that there were the sound of two women arguing according to an Apple store worker next door. In addition, there was a pretty hefty reward put up for anyone that could help the police find and convict the two male suspects, and this reward was $150,000. So the community was pretty invested in this. There are interviews from, you know, news stations that are interviewing people within Bethesda Row, and they're young girls just, you know, being scared and also saying that they can't believe that it happened there because of the area it's at. The store was boarded up. There's, um, flowers laying out for um, the victims. I mean, people really were invested in this case. Police asked Brittany to come in for DNA samples and then for questioning after she claimed to be withholding information and feared that the attackers would find her. So one of the new details that she provided was that in the middle of the attack, The suspects untied her and forced her to go outside and get in Jaina's car and move it and then come back in. And what? Yeah, which it was interesting that she provided that information because at the time police already had her DNA in the car, which is like. After they got the DNA samples from her and they matched it, they knew that... Why was she in the car? Oh, you just wait. You just wait. (laughs) They knew that she had been in the car. So at this point, police also knew that they had not been sexually assaulted. There was no indication that either of the girls had been raped. And... Brittany's wounds were superficial, like Cecilia pointed out, and they had all the characteristics of self-inflicted injuries. So the police just kept keeping these little tabs on her story that just were not making sense when matched up with evidence. And there was a detective that said that he was skeptical from the start, quote, it's just this little voice in the back of my head. Something's just not right. The way Brittany's describing these two guys, they're racists, they're rapists, they're robbers, they're murderers. 
It's like the worst human being that you could possibly describe, right? So police are very like suspicious of her because she is describing this completely elaborate concocted plan that just sounds kind of too awful to be true. Were any of these two late either of these two ra- ladies of a minority race? Um Brittany's African American. Okay. So that is where she's claiming that she said that they came in and were um, yelling racist slurs at her. Gotcha. Well, then I would think if she was the only one that was of minority race and they were yelling racist slurs at her, then she would have the brunt of right the crime, and right. they wouldn't let her waddy dotty out and get in a car and move it around. No, the suspect yeah. would do that. Yeah, while they're both and- tied up. Oh, for sure. And the police from the jump thought the position that she was found in was suspicious. And so the police end up arresting Brittany and charge her with first degree murder. And they do not go lightly on her in the interrogation. They basically tell her, look, no one's going to believe you. I don't believe you. My boss doesn't believe you. They're pointing out the wounds being superficial, her posing being He basically, the interrogator, puts his hands over his head and mocks the way she was posing when she was found. Oh my God. There's no way you stayed like that all night. There's no way because she had her hands over her head and she almost looked like she was like, I don't know how to explain it, like trying to look graceful in a way. Like it just looks so fake. I will have to post a picture of it. It just looks so fake. Um, And. He even goes as far as to say that her mother and father would call, quote, bullshit if he were to tell them the story against the evidence that he had. So he's really like going in on Brittany, trying to get her to just go ahead and confess so that this case can move along and he can get justice for the victim. Eventually, they bring the brother in and she refuses to talk to him as well, which is smart on her part because she was being recorded, but ultimately she was still arrested and charged with first-degree murder. So the truth of this night finally comes to a head during the trial, and we start to piece together what of the story is true and what is a complete fabrication. Mary Ripple, which is the deputy chief medical examiner for the state of Maryland, told jurors that Jaina had no fewer than 331 injuries to her body. So that stays true. Her head and face were badly bruised and covered in cuts, and the blow had ultimately killed her was a stab wound to the back of her neck that severed her spinal cord and went all the way through to her brain. Oh my gosh, that's so sick yeah pretty gruesome i should have put a little warning there um it was literally so terrible that they couldn't have an open casket funeral at all i feel so bad for her parents because they definitely had to identify her oh yeah and seeing your child like that oh my goodness so it was also determined that she was murdered using the store's toolkit including a hammer, a knife, and then in addition, it was a merchandise peg, a rope, and a box cutter. So there was multiple different kinds of murder weapons, which I found so interesting because 
I yeah. mean, she would have had to like put down and then pick up and then. Did she bring like the little toolkit with her? Like she was about ready I'm, to like build sure. something. I'm not sure. And it's just honestly unnecessary. Like there's no need for all of that. It also shows that it was definitely someone that worked at Lululemon because a random intruder is not going to know where the store's no. toolkit is and everything. Yeah, exactly. The state also points out that Brittany um, left the store and moved um, Jaina's car three blocks away. And so at this point, Brittany's freaking out and she is trying to figure out what she's going to do because she is the one who stabbed Jaina. She is the one who moved that car. And at this point in the night, she's singing, how do I get away with this? So she sits in the car that she just moved for 90 minutes while she's three blocks away. And she's just trying to figure out what to do. And she decides to go back to the store with the plan to stage it like they had been attacked by two men. And so she took money from the cash registers to stage a robbery. She sliced her own forehead and cut a gash in and cut a gash in Jaina's pants to make it look like she had been sexually assaulted. She also put on a pair of men's 14 shoes and walked around in the store to make it look like there had been a man in the store because she walks through the blood petals. And those are the footprints that we see initially on the 12th when they're going into the store. Finally, she tied her own fans and feet with zip ties and settled into the bathroom to wait for the morning. So I think the investigator was right in um, making fun of her for that a little bit. Um, yeah. So you're probably wondering why Brittany was so upset that she's decided to brutally kill her. Yeah. So Jaina confronted Brittany for shoplifting via bag check, which is pretty common in like retail stores to do bag checks on people, which I didn't, I didn't know that, but I, I never really worked in retail, but I guess it's pretty common. And she found a stolen pair of Lulu leggings in her bag, which for those of you who don't know, those can run you the nice price of $110 these days. So I'm not sure they were that expensive in 2011 but still expensive with Brittany barely knowing her she um calls a co-worker gets the number and then is able to ask her to come back to the store because she forgot her wallet this proved premeditation to the defense I just cannot fathom being accused of shoplifting okay whatever you lose your job that's one thing but to have so much rage over someone not even just like accusing you like you clearly did it like pointing out something that you did that you stabbed yeah. them hundreds of times over a pair of leggings leggings like that much rage is something that i would like buy an amazon dupe online compare to i know i would just compare this to such a more like meaningful yeah murder that i just am like girl this is why i don't know as a manager this is something she does a bag check literally every night with every employee and for this to happen to her over a pair of leggings it's 
truly i mean it's not fair to her regardless but like this is just ridiculous Mm -hmm. it is ridiculous the defense also really digs in on the fact that dna was found in jana's car and prosecutors show the jury all of the evidence including phone calls and video footage of britney claiming not to know the type of car that gina even drove and so it's like she's just lying this entire time and the evidence was so overwhelming and damning that Brittany changed her guilty plea to one of self-defense. Jeez. And this doesn't really stick yeah. because the jury deliberated for 21 minutes before finding her guilty. Oh my gosh. 21 That's minutes. That's like everyone just like ha- sitting down, signing the paper and you walking back like... That's literally all 21 minutes is, essentially. They're eating their boxed lunch that the court provides in 21 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And then during sentencing, the family of Jaina were so emotional that they insisted that Brittany serve her full sentence, not being eligible for parole. Brittany was sentenced to life in prison without the opportunity for parole because the judge completely agreed with the family. In 2015, Brittany contested her conviction using a Maryland state law that guarantees circuit court defendants the right to appeal. However, the court rejected this even though her lawyers were claiming that she didn't receive Miranda warning early enough in the investigation. So she was basically improperly questioned by detectives. However, that's just not true. And today she remains incarcerated at the Maryland Correctional Institution for Women. I just honestly feel like she needs to receive a mental health, like a mental evaluation. If she is that triggered that quickly. Yeah, it is very interesting to see that something so small and seemingly trivial could have somebody react in that way. And I think that's why prosecution really pushed for her to be put away for a long time because yeah she truly is a danger to society if something like that can set you off to the point that you stab someone that many times and they now have over 300 wounds to their body there have been 376 school shootings since columbine and on february 12th 2010 it was just another one to add to the list. Most school shootings are usually done by white males. However, on this day, a professor at the University of Alabama Huntsville actually took the lives of her own colleagues. That woman's name is Amy Bishop. Tune in next week as we discuss the how and the why to her gruesome act. You can listen wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.